You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the ancestors. Why? Because you have no reason to listen to me. I'm just another person. I want the blessings of the ancestors so that this show can be more than just a person talking. So I call in the energy of the ancestors to be with us here today. I call out to all those ancestors all the way back and all of our ancestral lines, not just mine, but those of you that are listening um, at this time live or in downloads or who knows, throughout all of posterity, all of those listening to all of your ancestors who knew how to give a right and proper blessing. I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today to hold us well that we might gather round and rediscover together the lost art of blessings because we'll come together today and rediscover the power of this simple, beautiful gift that we have to offer one another. I call out to the energy of the earth. Why? Because I want the blessings of the earth. I want the blessings of this great dreaming being that she is to be with us so that we can dream of a new future together. So I call in the energy of the earth, that great dreaming planet who dreamt all of life as we know it into existence and all the creation mythology of the shamans. I call out to the earth to be with us, to help us to ignite in ourselves the power of the dreamer, that we might dream of a future for ourselves and bless it powerfully. I call out to the energy of the earth that we might feel grounded and connected to bring those blessings down through ourselves into the earth and to spread love and generosity and bounty and abundance with each other. May we know connection and belonging. I call out to the energy of the sky to be with us here today. Why? Because I want the blessings of the sky realm to be with us, that we might have all the wisdom of the cosmos with us here today. I'm asking for these blessings for myself, for you, that we might circle round here today for this hour for good reason. I call out for generosity and protection and all of the energies that come to us from that sky realm. I call out to the energy of the heart and its power to unite all of this together and to connect this person to person person to the environment, person to the spirit world, to connect in all realms, I call out to the great power of the heart. And may your heart merge the passions of your body with the clarity of your mind that you might know your soul's true purpose in this day. And may the spirit energies we've called in here today bless you and help you to bring those gifts to the world. I ask for spirit's help today to say what has value and meaning. Today, the topic of the show is the power of blessings. So what is a blessing? And before I go any further, let me confess, blessings are not my strong suit. 
as a shamanic practitioner, I'm learning about blessings. And so I'm speaking to you today from a place of vulnerability and uncertainty and not knowing. But since it's the time of the return, that's a blessing as well. So these really aren't my strong suit, but I'm going to go forward anyway. Now, if you want to hear someone throw a blessing, listen to Tom Cowan. He's a teacher of Celtic shamanism, and that man can spin a blessing like nobody's business because he, he's reconnected to the Celtic world, and they had a great, great, long, deep, powerful tradition of blessings and poetry and prayers. And blessings in our daily lives, as Americans at least, is a bit of a lost art, I would say. And, and another form of blessing that truly could be active in all of our lives is toasting. Toasting is a wonderful form of blessing in the, in the ancient ways, and toasting in and of itself is a completely lost art. And so today we're talking about the power of the lost art of blessing. So blessings and curses operate in their basic form at the level of speech. Um, when we come, um, they come from the power of the word that, that, you know, back long ago, I think we understand this now. We didn't understand it for a long time academically, but I think we understand now that long before there were languages, human beings communicated through um, body language and hand signs and, and some sounds. And, and we've often seen that as some sort of lower form of development. But my sense of what was going on at that time is that human beings were, were deeply aware of the power of the word and the power of sacred sounds to make things happen. And that, and that sound, language, the ability to form words was used for casting, for casting a blessing, for casting a curse, for, for, for speaking a spell that was used to engage with the spirit realm wasn't used for everyday commerce, everyday interactions. That, was, that could be carried out with a hand sign, a, you know, body language. So what we need to understand is that blessing and the power of blessing at its most basic level operates at this realm of speech. And speech, working with words and speaking, um, is an aspect of working in the realm of air rituals or air ceremony, air ritual or ceremony. So a blessing, in its simplest form, is, is one of the simplest forms of a power retrieval. And a power retrieval is obviously a type of shamanic healing. So a shaman uses a blessing to replace health or balance or unity, to, to reconnect someone with the oneness of all things. Um, the blessing can be used to bring the energy of goodwill um, towards someone's life or to help to bring someone back into a state of um, suerte, which translates badly in English into luck. It's more bringing someone back into that um, relationship with life where things go their way versus things not going their way. Um, a typical Celtic blessing um, used to restore energy would would place the power of something in nature onto the person. And so it's, it's basically asking that, that nature power to, to merge with the person's power um, to help to restore the person's energy. So an example would be, may the power of the wind be on you, or may the power of lightning be on you. May the power of um, the rich and fertile earth be on you, something like that. Okay. Again, not my strong suit, but I'm working on it. Okay. So 
the energy uh, returned in a blessing from the shaman can then be conveyed to the patient in a variety of ways. There's the words, which I've already talked about, but in shamanism, blessings can be conveyed to the patient on feathers, on smoke, on a song or a dance, or kamaing, which is blowing a a vapor of um, usually a liquor, but it can be water. Um, It can just be breath or smoke. Um, And sometimes the, the... liquid in the shaman's mouth is also has spices or something in it. So the spice can be combined onto the person. So it's a way of infusing the energy of the blessing into the person and their energetic body. So um, blessings are also often conveyed to participants in healing rituals, um, like in a traditional sweat lodge ceremony or other meetings of the Native American church doing, um, during the peyote cactus sacrament. These are, these are blessed, there are blessings that are offered. And there, there, there are many, many ways to convey blessings. And there are as many ways to convey blessings as there are cultures or people in the culture. So at its essence, in a blessing, we are asking spirit to assist another. Um, in other words, we're engaging our free will with our intent, and we are, we are using our ability to communicate with spirit to focus an intention of, of blessing or goodwill onto someone. And we're asking the spirit energy to go to them and to assist them. So one of the things at the very core of blessing someone is protection. It's a very, very common blessing. And so all of you have been blessed daily. The most basic blessing is when your parents sent you off to school and said, have a good day at school, dear. It's a blessing. It's a somewhat unconscious blessing for most parents. Um, but what, what would it be like for a child if that moment was a moment of conscious blessing, not a moment of a parent standing in the door terrified they're not going to see their child return? I mean, it's only natural. You know, your child's going out in the world to another day at school. What's going to happen? And so standing there in that moment of panic and saying, have a good day at school, dear, to sort of fight off that fear that it won't be a good day at school. Well, it's a pretty normal, pretty typical American moment, I would say. But what if we remembered the power of blessing and that moment became that moment of a man or a woman, a parent, a guardian, whomever, standing in that threshold empowered by the power of hearth and home, the power of the earth, the power of the sky, the power of love, the power of all that person's helping spirits, and that person's knowledge of that child's helping spirits. And that person stands in the threshold of that doorway, sending that child out into the world. And that parent blesses that child with the power of all of those energies to have a good day. That could happen, too. Every day. It's all just a matter of choice, a matter of intention, a matter of focus, a matter of remembering that a blessing is possible. You know, so what if you decided in the coming year to pick up this one single piece of living a spiritual life? What if you simply chose in the new year to explore the lost art of blessing? To, to spend 
some time and energy each morning offering blessings to your children as they go. Not dorky blessings. They're going to be all embarrassed and say, Mom, cut it out, you know, but a real blessing. You don't have to say it out loud. It's like Harry Potter learning to do spells silently. I mean, it's powerful out loud, but you can do it silently. But the point is, what if you choose to turn each one of those little frightening moments in life of, un- of oh, my God, I don't know what's going to happen. Is my kid even going to come home? To step into your place of power, your connection with the spirit world, and turn that moment into a moment of blessing. Bless that child as they go, and bless yourself as you enter into your day and have yet another day of parenting ahead of you, yet another day of whatever ahead of you. Every single one of us could use a blessing. What if you're childless? What if you and your partner both decide each moment, each morning, before you go off on the day to share a blessing on each other? It is a truly simple, simple yet powerful act of spirit. It functions very much like gratitude, in that sense of being easy and accessible to us and available to just make the choice to use it. So as we go into this break, I hope you'll join me as we continue this afternoon discovering the lost art of blessing. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are exploring the power of blessing. So... Curses, let's talk a little bit here about curses and blessings before we move on because we would be sort of not really being in integrity if we didn't. Curses and blessings largely operate in the same realm. They're, they largely function with the same principles. They just sort of move things in opposite directions, I guess, to put it simply. And let's all be real. We curse people all the time. We don't mean to. It's unconscious, but we do it all the time. It's part of the natural course of language in America. I don't know, maybe they don't do this in other countries, but they certainly do do it unconsciously here. For example, when an MD says to someone, you're going to die in two months, with all the conviction of their training and their experience and their profession behind them and all the power that that system wields in our world, when you say to someone, you're going to die in two months, if you're part of that system, that's a curse. You don't mean it to be a curse. It is a curse. We do it in our families all the time. You're going to get that toenail rot. Everyone in the family gets it. It's hereditary. You know, it's a curse. These are curses. They're not intentional, but they are. Now, I am, of course, not meaning to say that your Uncle Bob, who says that to you every time at Thanksgiving, or your MD, who said that to you last time you went in for a checkup, means to be cursing you. I'm not implying that at all. And at the same time, let me point out, there are people who are trained and know how to do a real curse. They are intentional and they are powerful and they are real. And, and I, those of you that travel around the world, pay attention. Those of you that live and work with people from other cultures, they understand this. My, I'm not saying... They do it and we don't. I'm saying they understand curses. They understand the power of curses, and they know that they're real. My point is, as an American, don't be ignorant. They are real. They can happen, and they can be undone. Not to worry, but you will need to go to someone equally skilled to undo it. Okay. So the thing is about curses, not only are curses real and intentional and powerful, at times, but curses can be carried generation to generation, and I see this all the time in ancestral work. Betsy Bergstrom sees it in her work in heart-centered um, depossession and 
that compassionate work, that we see this in our shamanic work, that curses can be carried generation to generation. But so can blessings. So that's what I want to think about here today. So we curse people all the time, right? It's, it's, it's common. Um, the most recent one I've been being cursed by lately is I'm in a new relationship, and I cannot tell you how many people have said to me, oh, well, it won't last. I can't believe that. It's so rude. <laughs> so what I'm suggesting we could try for a year is what if we decided to bless people all the time instead of cursing them? Wouldn't that confuse things, right? Because this, this language of cursing people is normal and accepted in an in a everyday American pitter-patter of, inter, of interactions. It's the rhythm of speech. Let's screw things up a little bit. Let's bless people instead of cursing them. And I'm not saying this from a Pollyanna point of view. I'm saying this from um, a rebellious point of view. What would happen if we all decided only to bless people? And the worse the offense to us, the more powerful the blessing we offer them. Wouldn't that confuse things? Imagine it. Imagine that you're being cussed at by somebody on the subway because you just tripped over them by accident when the train lurched. And what if you just turned to them and truly offered them a blessing? Wouldn't that confuse them, right? What happens when they do, we do this is the power of the word meets this very unconsciously flowing power of the storyteller. Storyteller is an archetypal energy. It's always here, and it's being used very unconsciously. That pitter-patter of language we get into is like the story. It's the script. It's the scripted way we're all supposed to be together. So what if the power of the word and of blessing meets the power of the storyteller head-on, and we go off-script we don't curse someone. We don't fall into that energy, but we offer a blessing. We go off script. We change the story, and we see what happens in life if we do that. I find for me, honestly, I curse people most often when I'm driving, particularly when people do something I feel is selfish or dangerous because, frankly, driving doesn't work real well as a social activity unless people are being somewhat selfless and... Um, clear about what they're doing and trying not to be dangerous. So I get upset about that. I think I'm all righteous and justified in it. But the point is, it creates this environment in which I am more likely to curse people. (laughs) What I notice when I curse people is that I feel weakened by it. It's subtle, but I definitely feel weaker It's like a fall for a moment out of the buoyancy of being in good relationship with spirit. It's as if in that moment of cursing another person, um, I slip out of the hands of spirit. I I somehow don't, don't, don't fit in that pattern anymore. And I've been noticing this recently because I've been working on the whole blessing curse thing in my own life. And so what I'm thinking about is then if I feel weakened, when I notice myself cursing others, then conversely, I could probably say that I would feel strengthened by blessing others. And isn't that interesting, since blessings are most often offered as a form of protection, that both the person receiving the blessing feels strengthened by the blessing itself, 
but the person giving the blessing is strengthened. And this may be a subtle experience or a powerful experience depending on the blesser and the blessing being offered. But what is most important to notice here is that the very act of blessing another strengthens both the one receiving the blessing and the one offering it. There's a wonderful form of blessing in the southwestern states, um, in the native peoples of that region in North America. And in this art of blessing, the, the practitioner is working with the person, and while they're working with the person, they're creating a sand painting, just like the Buddhist sand painting. Well, not just like them, but similar to the Buddhist sand paintings. And this sand painting is ultimately a blessing. It's like a creation, blessing the person with the life they want to step into. And so there's healing work happens and energies are removed and the person is brought to a point in the healing where they need to step into their new self or their new life or their new whatever. And that new state is shaped in the sand painting. And so it's like a great big visual, not big in the sense of size, but more in terms of energy. This practitioner is creating this picture you know, grain of sand after grain of sand, there's enormous energy, enormous intention, enormous prayer, enormous focus, all these activities being done to bring the power of spirit deeply and powerfully to bear in this sand painting. All the while other healings are being done on the person. And so this, this painting, while not large physically in physical space, it's large enough for the person to stand in, but that's about it. But it's large energetically. It's a big blessing. Time and energy and focus and spirit are all woven in to this picture. And so in the end of the healing, when this person is in kind of a transitional state from where they were, healing work has been done, their energy is moving and shifting, and they step into that blessing. And it crystallizes for them what they are going towards, who they are becoming, the life they are dreaming of. It's, it's, it's as if they are able to step in that moment into the dream. They're not there yet in their life, right? They haven't made all the changes and done all the things they need to do to get to make that truly manifest in the fullness of their life. But in the fullness of that moment, that person's energy is brought completely forward into that possible future, into that dreaming, into that possibility by stepping into that blessing of that sand painting. And they absorb the energy. They absorb the blessing of that sand painting. And that strengthens them in the new energy system of who they are. It brings them in the moment into that person that's now going to go and help to shape their life to now match the person they've become. And now, as you know from other things that we've talked about, other principles, that the life will shift to match the person in the new energy they've become. You know, but one of the things that happens to us when we receive a healing or a transitional kind of experience is we go back out into our life and often the momentum of the life pulls us back into who we were. And so the power of this blessing 
is it not only kind of seals the deal of the healing, but it it, it completes the transition of the of the energy of the person. It brings them into the end of the story before they're there, so that their energy crystallizes around that, and now they have a body memory of it and a heart memory of it, and their mind can probably argue with them about it, but the spirit knows where they're going, and so you got three against one, right? And so the person goes back into their life now with this really powerful blessing from having having stepped into and taken in the energy of this piece of art, this, this sand painting that's created for them, this blessing. They've absorbed it, and they're taking it back into their life. And, then, and now they've got their body and their heart and their spirit all moving towards everything that needs to happen to get the life now to reflect the person they've become. And the mind can dither and carry on, and it can help or not, depending on where it is in the moment. But the possibility now of that person being able to manifest this life is made much, much more probable by the power of that blessing. And so for me, this, this art of these sand paintings has always seemed um, one of the most um, intricate, complex, and yet somehow very simple and enormously powerful ways of offering someone a blessing. So what I'd like us to begin to understand as we talk about blessing here today is that a blessing is medicine. That, that in, in shamanism, there's not this sense that medicine is only this thing over there that we take, that we're focused on the active ingredient, which would be the pharmaceutical perspective. And it's not even just the naturopathic perspective, which is here's the active ingredient, but here it is in nature. That the art of blessing is, is really understanding that medicine, what a person needs energetically to shift them, could potentially be found in anything, and that the art of blessing is understanding how to shape words, music, dance, sand, grains of sand, plant medicines, anything, anything that it is to shape that energy into exactly the medicine or the blessing that that person needs in the moment to crystallize their energy where it needs to be for them to go forward and to live their dream. And so this is part of the lost art and power of blessing. And blessing, then, is our topic of our conversation today. I hope that you will come back and join us after this break. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And today, the topic of our show is the power of blessing, and or the lost art of blessing, as we've been discussing it here today. So... Blessing, simple, yet very, very powerful act. So what if you had the power to make everything go smoothly for others? Would you use it? And it's this question, really, that sparked this idea that I had, which is what if we go forward for the next year, and to the best of our ability, we transform every moment of cursing into a blessing? And as I said earlier, no matter the greater the offense, the more powerful the blessing. What if we refuse to participate in the cultural scripting? We refuse to curse each other unconsciously. And instead, we reclaim our power to bless each other 
our power to step back to to step back in and reweave the fabric of things coming together in a good way. And we stop weakening ourselves and each other through curses and statements. We have no idea whether they're true. These people that have been telling me this won't last have no idea whether it will or won't. So why are we even saying it? Why don't we instead step into this art of blessing? So part of the reason that I'm not all that great at blessing as I am in other aspects of shamanism is because I didn't really understand it for a long time. I mean, I'm pretty much a typical American girl. I didn't have a clue, right? So shamanism starts happening. I'm paying attention to the big stuff. But this whole blessing thing gets kind of lost on me because it seems so small. And one thing leads to another. I'm asked to write the encyclopedia, and I'm working on the encyclopedia, and I have my first dark night of the soul, which every first author has on their first book, which is, you know, oh, my God, I can't do this. And, you know, eventually I got through that because I realized, well, everybody else got through it, so why shouldn't I? And then as I came deeper and deeper into the material of the encyclopedia, so I'm really learning about shamans and really realizing I have to get out of these second, third, fourth academically interpreted accounts and get back to the source material, the people that were the first to contact people with the shamans and how they wrote about it. And as I do that, I come to get an even clearer picture of how shamanic people lived before Western thought came along and changed things. And in that, I came to a much deeper dark night of the soul, working on this encyclopedia, um, which was the realization that, in, in short, shamans had always sort of helped people bridge this gap between how they're living and how they need to be living to be in oneness with all things. And that, you know, the shaman kind of helps people to keep a bridge there and to move back and forth across that, across that bridge and hopefully in their lives over time to make that gap smaller and smaller. Well, as I came to understand this and came to really think about how things were and how things are and saw how enormous that gap has grown, I'm not sure we have the engineering capacity to bridge it. And I just thought, why am I writing this book? What is the point? We're not going to bridge this gap. We're all going to die, and we deserve it. Well, you know, granted, it was a dark night of the soul, so I'm thinking dark thoughts like that. But I kind of meant it at the time. And I got real stuck, real stuck with this book. And I'm, you know, at this point already two years late on my contract. So I got a new editor, and he's not very nice, and he's, you know, demanding this and demanding that, and I can't write a thing because I'm, I'm crashed. My family's gone. They're all traveling in different countries. I'm here all by myself trying to write this book. It's rainy. It's Seattle. It's dark. It was not pretty. And this package arrives from South Africa from my mother for Christmas or my birthday or something. They're very close in timing. So anyway, so I unwrap this package, and there's this lovely little pendant with a small little crystal in it, just something you would get. It wasn't big, fancy jewelry. It was simple, but traditional in the Zulu culture that she was visiting. And there was a little story about visiting these um, interesting Sangoma women at a, at a site that had been developed by the shamans to help people understand the tradition, the shamanic tradition of the Zulu people. And she was writing all about this, and I, of course, was feeling a little snarky about it because I sure would have rather been there learning that than sitting being depressed and, and shut out of my writing by my own darkness in Seattle. So I wasn't really paying much attention. 
And I put the I put the necklace on. It was a gift, after all. I put it on. I was wearing it, and in six hours, I was dog sick. I was puking. I was achy. I was really ill, and I thought, where the hell did this come from? Because there had been no sign, no sign of illness. All of a sudden, six hours later, bam, I am down. And I think, huh, the necklace. When I go back and I read the card more carefully, and I realize I hadn't even read the whole card. And the story about this site with these Sangoma women, these Zulu shaman women, was that my mother had gone to them and she purchased the necklace there, and she'd gone to these women, and she'd asked them if they would bless the necklace for her daughter. And they divined what blessing I needed. That's all my mom said, and there was a language problem anyway, so even if she tried to say something else, I'm not sure they would have really understood. But energetically, they understood. And they sent me, they blessed the necklace, and then my mom sent it to me. And the blessing was essentially... Stand up. Find your voice and use it. Stand up. And we bring, and then the blessing went on, bringing all these spirits to bear from their own tradition, to bear for me, to be able to stand up and to find my voice and to use it. And they asked that, it was like that the spirits of the earth there speak to the spirits of the earth where I was and help me to stand up, that the spirits of the wind there speak to the spirits of the wind here. You know, and it was beautiful, simple, powerful, though. I mean, these women rocked. So I just kept the necklace on because the sickness was a clearing of all that dark place I had gone into that had to get out of the way so I could stand up that had to get out of my head and out of my throat and out of my heart so that I could find my voice and find the courage and then I could stop worrying about everything. And there was a beautiful piece in there about not worrying about whatever. There's a lot of worry. I mean, I'm writing an encyclopedia, for God's sake, so there's lots to worry about. Stop worrying. Just stand up and speak. And so after I wore the necklace and had the sickness and cleared from that. Several days later, I was able to start writing again, and I wrote again every single day. Well, not every single day, every three days with a break, three days with a break, three days with a break, consistently for two years after that. That blessing was so strong and so powerful. It just cleared all that uncertainty, all of that doubt, all of that worry out of the way, all of that concern, and all of a sudden my perspective changed. I didn't close the gap. But I just understood it wasn't my job to do it. I just needed to write a book. And so, so this blessing was so incredibly powerful. So what makes a blessing powerful? Why was this so strong? This is a cheap necklace sent across a half a globe to get to me. What made that blessing so strong? Well, the main reason is these women were trained, as shamans are trained in traditional cultures, to give a good blessing. They knew what the hell they were doing. They were skilled. There is a certain technique to it. That doesn't mean you can't do it without technique, but certain things work better than others. The other thing is these women had a long, well-developed relationship with spirit. Right? I mean, they're shamans. They've got deep, deep, 
long, decades invested in developing their relationship with spirit. And so they have a lot to bring to bear. When they set their will and intention towards something in a blessing, there's a lot of spirit energy that's going to funnel through that opening that they create. And because they've been trained in how to do blessings in their own shamanic culture, they were able to focus their intent and, and bring their own heart to bear. I mean, that was the thing that I felt so strongly in the blessing, in the wearing of the necklace and feeling of the blessing, is that this wasn't all technique and spirit. There was heart. These women had heart in this. They, they felt what it would be like to be me, and they felt in that if this was me, this is what I would need. So there was that human act you know, of empathy and compassion in the crafting of this blessing. So part of it was intent, heart, heartfelt intent, not just mental clarity, but the heartfelt intent. Okay, so those are the things primarily that made that particular blessing so strong. But there are a couple other things that can make a blessing strong. Another thing is essentially history, ceremony, repetition. To say the exact same words at the exact same time of year for the exact same reason that your ancestors had said them for hundreds of thousands of years, that gives a blessing power. So for someone to reclaim a lost ancestry and learn the traditional blessings of those people brings you back into alignment in a way with your ancestors. And when you step up to speak that blessing, a blessing they literally spoke in their life, they can join in immediately. They're not waiting to see what it is you are asking for and then doing it. They are asking for it with you. They are doing it with you. They are involved with you in every moment because they did it themselves. So there's an enormous power in blessings that are handed down within a culture or a religion. or um, But in particular, when you're speaking the words of your ancestors for the same reasons in the same time of year, where this, this whole... The power of ceremony is in its repetition. And so the fact that the words and the timing and the intent and all these things are repeating themselves, that gives a blessing power. Um, Another thing that gives a blessing power is the opposite of ceremony, is ritual. So this also goes back to the necklace, the blessing on the necklace. Part of the reason that blessing was so strong is because of its precision, because it was unique, it was divined precisely for me and my illness in that moment, my collapse of well-being in that moment of time in my life. And so they, they divined through their own skills the precise medicine needed, the precise blessing needed. So it was a ritual, it was a unique blessing, only said once only received once. But because of its precision, it was powerful. So blessings can be powerful either way, because they're precise and exactly what's needed in the moment, or because of their repetition over time in more of a general sense of things. But these are all reasons 
that blessings can be made, ways that blessings can be strengthened. Um, and of course, one of the greatest strengths of blessings is love, that you infuse the blessing with your own human capacity for love. And this is at the core of the Harry Potter stories, that the power of Harry's mother's capacity to protect him is the blessing of giving her love to him in its entirety at her death, that it protect him. Blessing is power. It's not a blessing to talk yourself out of a traffic ticket. It may be a relief, but it's not a blessing. It's not a blessing that so-and-so didn't show up so that you could avoid that hard conversation. That's a cop-out. It's not a blessing that your son isn't black, so you don't have to worry about him getting shot on the way home tonight. That's systematic fear and privilege. Blessings are not things that allow you to bypass conflict, hard engagements, and outright injustice. The blessing is a thing that opens the courage in your heart for that hard conversation. It's that power that allows you to hear what you couldn't hear and what allows you to be heard where others were deaf before. The blessing is the thing that protects the child, hardened by systems and burdened by systems of injustice. So a blessing is who you would be if you actively asked how you unconsciously engage in systems of injustice, in your time, in your culture. So how could you become that blessing? So first, my suggestion, humbly, is that you read Don't burden your black friends or your feminist friends or your trans friends or whoever to educate you. Read. There's lots of great work being written. Ask them what you should read to educate yourself. They'll be relieved. And I'm sure they'll have a list of more than you could possibly digest. Journey then. With the information you've gained from reading, journey. Ask your helping spirits to help you to see how you unconsciously engage in whatever unjust system you're exploring. And in particular, in what small daily ways. If it's unconscious, it's likely small and repetitious. Right? Next thing would be, given whatever your work is with spirit, what spirit helps you to see, what you need to do to address that, when you've created some sense of new awareness or change within yourself, Take actions in the world in a new way. And expect to be messy and awkward. And adults hate being messy and awkward. But expect to be messy and awkward. Expect to need to say you are sorry repeatedly and sincerely. And expect to make mistakes. Learn from it all and try again. But you can become the blessing. What other things are going on in your world that need a blessing? How could you become that blessing? Blessing is what we do to give that which needs time to grow strong, to take root, to create change in the world. We bless it to protect it. We bless it to give it strength. How do we become that blessing ourselves? 
I ask this because the power of blessing is here for us to cultivate. It is a power that is not bound by rank and privilege. It is a power that is equally accessible to all human beings. It's accessible to cultivate, to offer, to receive, and to become. There is no rank or privilege with blessings. Occasionally, people tell me that I'm a blessing in their lives. So I know we can be blessings. It's usually not when I'm intending to be a blessing. Uh, And the point is I'm not special. I'm not a special blessing person. It's just that I simply do my best to do what I feel I've been called into this life to do. And I offer that to these people. And sometimes I do it in a way that they feel that I'm a blessing. So when we are who we've come here to be, the best that we can possibly do it, day to day, we can become a blessing, any one of us. The most outrageously blessed time in my life was also the most terrifying and painful that I had asked uh, myself what single decision You know, what single action could I take? What single decision could I make that would push all my buttons at once? You know, that would put me into a situation where all my buttons would get pushed. And as a result of that, I left everything behind on the West Coast and moved to the East Coast. And um, the importance of that was at that time, with my understanding, I believed that if I could get all my buttons pushed and use the emotional clearing practice to clear them, then I could stop allowing the wounded child to run my life because I was tired of the decisions that the wounded child makes. So I acted on that decision. I left everything behind and I spent the next seven years looking honestly and deeply at myself, at my lies, at my stories, at my shadow. Now, the point is that this isn't about me. My point is by putting myself, being a human and being willing to look, I put myself in a position that opened my life to blessings. Deep, unreasonable, repeated blessings, big ones. And at the time, ones I didn't actually even believe I deserved. But what I see now in reflection in that, in that really blessed time in my life, hard and painful and terrifying though it was, is that what opened the way for the blessing was the honesty, was the willingness to look inside and to see where I really wasn't the person I wanted to be. I wasn't the person I thought I was. And so at this time, we all need to be the people who can look inside of ourselves to see where are we not who we want to be or believe that we are so that we can actually become the people we were dreamt to be. So the point is I spent seven years looking deeply at myself, my lies, my stories, my shadow, and I worked, I danced, I had lovers, I made friends, I lived my life. But I also, through all of that, living an everyday life in a scary way with not a lot of money, I still looked at myself through the reflection of my life. And so this is the time that I asked life 
to grow me up because my culture was failing utterly to do so. And my point in this is that the blessings came in because I chose to be real with myself, to stop caring about the person that I was born uh, socially to be, the person I was educated to be, the person I was terrorized in school so that I became, the person uh, that I had learned to be. I stopped caring about that and caring cared more about something called maybe inner truth. And I didn't know what I would find. But I believe the blessings poured in because I chose to try to be real, to call my shit shit, to see my shadow behavior as it played out in my life and take responsibility for transforming that. Blessings flow into our lives when we are willing to be in our humanity and to risk changing what we can no longer afford to be. With climate change, with the dearth of leadership, with what is going on economically, ecologically, politically around the globe, we cannot afford to be these people any longer. And those who can look need to. And know that if you do look, blessings will come. And the point is, even with the power of blessings flowing into my life, I still had to choose. It also took the power of faith to allow a different different person, a different version of myself to emerge through that time and through all of those scary choices. It also took the power of gratitude in in the transition in the uncertainty to see the resonance you know the things i was grateful for were like a resonance or an affirmation or some sort of thumbs up from the real world towards this new fragile person that i was becoming not that i was becoming fragile but in the newness it was very fragile it's so easy to just go back to the person that is comfortable the person that you're good at the person that is easier to be and it also that time even with all the blessings it also took the power of joy to give me strength and to give strength to that new person through the celebration of that greater authenticity and that resonance with that new person with a larger reality these moments of spontaneous joy that had nothing to do with happiness had nothing to do with whether or not I had food It had nothing to do with those parts of life. It had everything to do with that relationship. So these are all powers, blessing, faith, gratitude, and joy. These are all powers, and we must not be afraid to use them. To become the new people of the new world, we must celebrate the powers of joy, gratitude, faith, and blessing. We must cultivate them every day and we must choose to use them in every day all right and it is now august 2016 and people around the world are challenged by crisis levels of racism and systemic hatred war and warmongers creating refugees and a scarcity of refuge self-serving politics and a dearth of true leadership around the globe so what are we to do So we have talked on this show for years about becoming the new people who can write a new story for the new world. So let's begin now 
to be those people. It is time for us to pick up our power. Joy, gratitude, faith, and blessings are all powers that we each possess. They are not things life gives us. They are not tied to rank or to privilege or to circumstances. They are each powers that we cultivate from within. Joy arises when we have been accountable to ourselves. When we listen to our inner voice and allow the person within to shape us, not the forces of the world around us or our worry or stress about those outer forces. Joy positions us to know our shadow and transform it. It positions us to take our shadow out of the collective shadow of unconscious hatred and fear. Joy arises when we have been truly accountable to our inner self. So gratitude is a choice to see beyond the surface of instant gratification. Gratitude is when we orient towards that attitude, that perspective in the world to see what we are grateful for. And in that, we are then forced out of unconscious entitlement. And for those who do enjoy rank, privilege, and power culturally but don't think about it, then your entitlement is unconscious. And it's important for us to recognize that where we position ourselves unconsciously in that entitlement, in that privilege, we orient ourselves 180 degrees away from gratitude. And so gratitude, the practice of gratitude, allows us all to turn in to the real energies that are around us, to see under the surface and to engage with what is really going on in our world. And once we do that, we can see the effects of our own internalized sexism or racism or any of the other systems or hatred or fear that we are unconsciously participating in. So faith is the power to stand in the unknown with the uncertainty and the discomfort and to take a new step forward anyway and then another and then another even though it's still not comfortable. It's the power to do what hasn't been done. It's the power to do what feels impossible and there is a lot in the world right now that feels impossible and yet we are the people born into this time. So faith gives us the power to do what hasn't been done. Without the capacity for faith and frankly barrels of it, we will not be able to be the change that we seek. Blessings are the power to give life and protection to what is new and uncertain. Blessings give strength to that which doesn't have strength yet. To give it time, blessings, give that which doesn't have strength yet time to become the new story that will shape the new world. How often does the new rise up only to be torn down 
before it can actually take root and grow. So to receive blessings is to have the power of vulnerability, to be part of something larger than you are. So the power of blessings are to give blessings and the power of blessings is to receive blessings. So I'm rerunning these four shows today, right now, this month in August, as an answer to the question, what are we to do in our world today? I'm running these shows so that we can really look at how do we pick up our power in a way that allows us to address the challenges of our time effectively and creatively and honestly. So let's begin by cultivating the powers that we all have access to no matter our circumstances. Let's begin by moving into our humanity, that place in which we are all equal, and to cultivate the powers that are equally accessible to all of us there. And then let's begin to shore up our own power in the world. Let's begin by cultivating the powers that we have access to, joy, gratitude, faith, and blessing, so that we can step into those moments and ask the questions that start the conversations that need to be started, that we can use our privilege to touch those daily moments of injustice where we experience it at the grocery store, in the parking lot, that we need to not only ground, have boundaries, begin to stop leaking energy, but we then need to cultivate the power to do things in the world, to change the status quo, and to do it in a way that is actually going to create something different. Joy does not require happiness. That we all have access to joy because it is about our relationship with our true and deep self. Gratitude is not a luxury for people who get what they want. Gratitude isn't about, oh gee, I got everything I wanted today at the grocery store. That gratitude um, is simply a requirement for anyone who wants the help of spirit. And anyone who wants to address that which appears impossible needs the help of spirit. So faith does not require religion. And I would say at this time on this planet that it is possible that religion-based faith in and of itself is part of the problem but that human beings themselves need the capacity for faith, not in a religion, but simply faith itself, that ability to stand in the unknown and be uncertain and to go forward anyway. And I think in many, many ways, people that know the capacity of faith that is not bound to religion in many ways have a stronger sense of faith one that can is more resilient and endures the great changes that need to happen in our time. And blessings are a way to give life to that which you value, to give it strength and to help it to survive and to thrive. So when we turn our attention to something and we engage in it, 
we offer it energy, we offer it belief, and we might even offer it blessing. And so human beings need to become very conscious of what they choose to pay attention to, what they choose to believe in, and most importantly, what they choose to bless. So these inner powers are available to all of us, but they must be cultivated. It is very easy to turn our back on gratitude, on faith, on blessings, and on joy. It's very easy to reach for something simpler. It's like reaching for the junk food when you're stuck on the couch instead of getting up to make a real dinner. It's very, very much like that. So these inner powers must be cultivated, and when they are, they fill us with grace. So a person empowered by this grace, and any person, any human being, can access these powers and cultivate grace in their own life. The grace of their own joy, their own gratitude for life, their own faith, and the grace of blessings, of giving blessings, of being blessed. So a person empowered by this grace is a person who has cultivated uh, a way to be empowered, to take action in the world in new ways, ways that were not familiar or comfortable to them before. So I ask us all to start now to lead your own life as you wish your elected leaders would lead you. Stop waiting for someone else to do it for you. Start now to live your own life as you wish others would live. Start now to teach by example. Stop arguing on Facebook, yelling at the TV, complaining about other people, and looking outside of yourself. Cultivate grace. Lead from grace. Live from grace. And teach others how to touch these four powers within themselves and cultivate their own grace. So what if everyone around the world who listens to this radio show, just this one humble radio show, were to cultivate the grace of joy, of gratitude, of faith, and blessings over this next month? What if we became the people of power right now by cultivating each of these powers that are equally accessible to all people within ourselves? What if you, a listener to this show, became the person that gives others hope, became the person that inspires others by example? What if you, through that grace, became the answer to life's prayer, the prayer that you were born into this life to be the answer to? So I have gratitude to the earth below, the sky above, the ancestors that gather around all of us in their human and non-human forms, and to the hearts that unite us all. May you all go out in this week and have the courage to use your heart.